Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Anderson. In this episode, we discuss COVID-19 rebound. Joining us are Dr. Fernando Carnavali, Division Chief of General Internal Medicine at Mount Sinai Health, Dr. Asika Karnick, Assistant Professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of Chicago, Dr. Renzo Shearer, Professor of Medicine in the Section of Infectious Diseases and Global Health at the University of Chicago, and Dr. Joseph Teresi, Clinical Pharmacy Specialist in Infectious Diseases at Grady Health System. For more information about Dr. Carnivali, Dr. Karnick, Dr. Shearer, and Dr. Teresi, and for a link to the full online educational program, including downloadable slides, please visit the links in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's get started and hear what Dr. Carnivali, Dr. Karnick, Dr. Shearer, and Dr. Teresi have to say about COVID-19 rebound. What do you think about this viral rebound? Have you had concern with, uh, especially your HIV population, anyone? Yeah, well, about rebound? it has been described. Fortunately, it's a small percentage of the totality of people who are affected. It's also been described with multiple different drugs, not with a, it's only with a single drug. It appears then to be self-limited, though we have seen some evidence, certainly of virus shedding and recurrence of symptoms. And in most cases, that appears to have been clinically self-limited. It's obviously a time when, since we're not sure if that's viable virus or not, that we should encourage people to consider themselves to be infectious and return to their own isolation and the use of masking. There's been, you know, some clinicians have said, we'll just use a second course. So it's not a, a course of antiviral or a separate antiviral. It's not really a clear indication for that right now. And actually, personally, I would discourage that because there doesn't seem to have been serious long-term sequelae. The other questions are, you know, so what? why is this happening? Is that some form of immune compromise? Is there a drug resistance? We can't find a clear explanation other than there's always a bell-shaped curve when people are infected with a microorganism. These may be the folks that have the very highest virus burden and have the most uh, difficulty in clearing it for genetic reasons. I would take it seriously and anticipate it. I would reassure patients that it seems then to be associated with a natural course and then resolution over time. And that's true in the vast majority of patients. Definitely. Uh, Rasika or Fernando, have you guys have had any patients come and ask for a second course of any of these antiviral agents or concern that they were having symptoms of rebound? And have you had that occurrence at all? I actually have not either. Yeah, I, I had one patient who did, but told me after, you know, everything was done. So, you know, the acute, the rebound symptoms were done. And, you know, she said she was fine. Several patients asking, would I get the rebound? And, mm. you know, which is impossible to guess who would be the one getting rebounds. But not people asking for more. Definitely. Yeah. I think what I've heard the most is a lot of patients honestly afraid to take nermotrelavir and rotonavir because that was the first medication where they heard of this viral rebound phenomenon. And as Renslow said before, there is descriptions of this both honestly with nermotrelavir and rotonavir and molnupiravir. I think one of the biggest highlights to this is really, even if it does occur, it's at a very small percent and it doesn't really lead to more hospitalizations, more deaths. So it shouldn't be a reason to give them an alternative therapy up front that may not work as well. If anything, it should just be described to them as a possible a risk that does occur, but did not put them at any more of a risk of coming to a hospitalization. I think we're still working on why is it even occurring? And is there any more data for using a longer course of therapy, maybe five days or seven days, et cetera? And uh, I can say from me being on the inpatient side, I have 
heard of some physicians trying to use two courses of therapy that we generally try to discourage, trying to get away with IV therapy on the inpatient side and send them on PO therapy going on the outpatient side. Um, I generally do discourage that just because we don't have great data for that and I don't want to give them more medications to take that they might not truly need or benefit from, um, but it definitely does come up. Thank you very much to Dr. Carnivali, Dr. Karnick, Dr. Shearer, and Dr. Teresi, and thank you to our listeners for joining in. As a reminder, to view the full Clinical Care Options Program on expert insights into optimal outpatient management of acute and long COVID-19, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And please be sure to check back regularly for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you. Thank you.